the angel Gabriel comes now to a woman. And as Zacharias was incredulous, this woman's response would be a little different. The city is Nazareth. Now, you'll see on our screen a a modern view of this. Nazareth came into being uh, probably about 100 years before Christ. It was a village, a small city. Now, it's a it's a city of over 80,000 people. Uh, if you go there now, it's a very much uh, Arab and Jews and some minor Christian uh, there, uh, mostly sprung up around the, uh, the different churches that are there. But in Nazareth, um, something happened that was pretty remarkable. And the angel Gabriel comes to a woman, and we know that she's in, uh, in Nazareth, and we'll say that she's probably in around her house. We don't know exactly. This would be what one would look like. And he brings an announcement to her. In verse 26, it says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And Luke is placing this in the context for us so we understand uh, where it is. Reference again our reading in Isaiah. You understand this area around the Galilee. This woman who was betrothed in the system, uh, the Jewish system at the time, was in the period of time where she is not yet, they're not yet living together as man and wife, but they are indeed legally man and wife. And so... Um, some would say this is a time when the, the male would be preparing his home to bring in this woman. She's most likely living in the home with a relative, maybe parents, maybe other relatives. We don't know for sure at all. And this woman, Mary, receives a greeting. And this is her greeting, verse 28. I mean, it said, greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. And it's interesting, the word greeting would be like a grace to you. Gracious, graced one, uh, kind of forms of the word that we think of as grace, but a greeting, a, a salutation, a, a welcome to her that really set her back. Not only she said she's favored one, but also the Lord is with you. And so her response is, uh, she's perplexed. She's, she is, is a bit curious, but she's, I, I don't understand this statement in her mind. And she kept pondering, which we love this about Mary. She, she mulls things over. She thinks about them, as we see later on in Luke 2. Well, what kind of greeting or salutation was this in her mind? Oh, this one who is obviously, obviously supernatural, not a, not a human. Why would he say that to me? So he continues, the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor. God's grace has been upon you. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus, Yeshua. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Understand this time, they would, you know, you, the line, you may have been 14 generations removed from David, but that would be that your ancestor, your father, David, you would claim him, not physical, biological father, but in the line. 
But not only that, that's astounding. The throne of David, the Lord will give him, but the Son of the Most High, a designation for the Son of God. This is, this is astounding. And he will be great. Whereas in John, when talked, the angel talked about John, he says he will be great before the Lord. John would be because he's the preparer. This one is simply he is. He will be great. Can you understand now the perplexity growing, the curiosity? How is this to be? How will this work? She's thinking of this. He'll be great, son of the most high, son of God. And now, throne of David. He continues, and he will reign in the house of Jacob or Israel forever. This is an everlasting reign. His kingdom will have no end. Again, amazing, astounding. Do not fear. Her response is, how how will these things be? How can this be? See, Gabriel says this. He he gives the first, don't fear, because obviously the, the fear is there. It's quite real. But the continue reading, there in 34, she responds. We get back to, to Luke. As she responds to him, she asks a couple of questions. And notice that the character of their question is different than Zacharias. She says, well, how can this be since, I'm not, or since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, And for that reason, the holy child shall be called the Son of God. How is this to be? How are these things to be? Well, he says, the Holy Spirit will take care of this. He will overshadow that holy child, the one who is set apart. And Mary's question is a different, it's more of a a how. So so I'm curious, how is this going to happen? Because I've not, in this, this, what she was saying, I've, I've not known a man in the sense of knowing a man in the sense of you having a child. This is really the phrase, a man I have not known in this way. And so he explains this to her. This would not be a child from Joseph, the Holy Spirit. Here the key doctrine being, being set out here is the doctrine of the virgin birth. So it's an honest question from an honest woman who's asking, and he answers the power of the Most High. This overshadowing is not a sexual act. The God of the universe who created life out of nothing, who created man and woman from the dust of the ground, this one can also do quite a miraculous work. He distinguishes that, obviously, from the, the gods of the Greeks in the day. This one shall be holy and called the child of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. He says, don't fear. And finally, this profound statement, for nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing. Don't fear. Nothing will be impossible with God. He answers her questions quite simply. The fear that is in your heart, that this will change my life, don't be afraid. The question of how this will happen, 
nothing is impossible with God. What is Mary's response? Look at verse 38. Verse 38 says, And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. The angel departed from her. Mary's response to the angel was, I'm God's servant. He used the word of a handmaiden, I think, in in one translation, a bond servant, just just a lowly female servant. I'm, I'm yours, God. Whatever you want me to do, I will do. May this that you have said, may it be done according to the word. The angel's word. So the Gabriel's do not fear, nothing is impossible, is, is returned with, I am God's servant. May it be done to me. See, what Mary gives us is, is a twofold response. It is a response, first of all, of submission. We see this here with Mary. She gives a response of submission to whatever God is going to do. And there's also a response of faith. She responds in faith. May it be done according to your word. I don't doubt. May it be accomplished. This is a powerful lesson from the life of Mary. Think about how... Uh, in comparison to Zacharias, Zacharias had lots of learning as a priest. Okay? So your life as a priest, you, you were born into this, and so from, the, from birth you were trained and taught and trained and taught and trained and taught. Whereas, yes, you might have learned a trade or apprenticed to something, but you were committed unto God, and so you learned the word of God. For a woman of this time, yes, she would have been in synagogue, she would have been learned and taught, but not like a priest. No average man would be like a priest would have learned and taught, been taught. And his question was, I don't think this can happen. Her question is like, I'm curious, how is this going to happen? And the response is different. The angel to Zacharias says, you know, you're going to be quiet for nine months. His response to Mary is, don't fear. Nothing is impossible to God. He answers the question of each heart, and each heart responds to the word of God coming to them from the angel of of the Lord, here Gabriel, the messenger of God, and her response is submission and faith. Whatever God wants, God will do. I'm your servant. It's a beautiful lesson to us. Beautiful lesson. How do we respond? How is it that I respond when I read God's word? There are not many angel visitations these days. We have the word of God. We have it plain. We don't have to wonder what God is saying. We can read it, how to live, how to love. Do I respond in submission? And faith. Well, the scene is going to change. And so, because of that, I have a different picture. The, the scene is going to change to Ein Karem. Okay? So, it's, a, it's a, another city in the Judean Hills. And as we read the story here, uh, after, the, um, after Mary has said in verse 38, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word, the scene changes. 
So now at this time, Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country to a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And so they, he, she goes, and she's found out this wonderful news, but it, it's going to upturn her world, okay? She's not married yet in the way that we would think of. She goes to visit because the angel has told her what's happened to Elizabeth. She goes to visit. And so something miraculous happens when she goes to this town as they enter the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Verse 41, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, this is baby John, yet unborn, leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Understand, this time, the Holy Spirit came upon people for special things, for special words, but did not oppose, as a, as a, a, um, in contrast to now, as those who have received Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells within us. The Holy Spirit comes to Elizabeth, and what she says is going to be the Holy Spirit working through her in her words. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. She's speaking of Mary. And she, by the Holy Spirit, is saying, blessed, you, and she's calling out a blessing upon, uh, upon Mary, and the blessed is the, the one that you are carrying. He says, how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? Now, if you think about Elizabeth, obviously she had some shocking news in a, a very advanced years, as Zacharias put it. And now she is carrying six months, I think we're believed, into this into the, the date of it. So she is carrying a child. The child leaps in her womb, and she is filled with the Holy Spirit. And she says, look at the words she used, how is the mother of my Lord? By the Holy Spirit, she understands that this one that her cousin is carrying is of God, is God. She continues, for behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And here's the blessing she calls out. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Now, this is interesting because Elizabeth blesses Mary for what? Do you see it there? I underlined it for you so you would. Elizabeth blessed Mary for her faith. You're blessed for believing what the word of the Lord said came to you from the angel, that God would do what he said he would do. Can you understand? If we were to place ourselves in this situation, number one, Elizabeth reacting in this way. Number one, Mary receiving that word again. It wasn't enough for the angel to have said this. Now, her cousin upon walking in the door, says this to her and recognizes by the Holy Spirit, recognizes the faith of Mary. And so from here, we have what, if you know anything of the Christmas story in regards to Mary, we have what we call the, the, the Magnificat. And so that is the Latin verb for glorify. So Mary, Mary is Magnificat. Mary glorifies God. The next number of verses is Mary speaking, and, and it's in the form of a Jewish hymn. And so it's going to give a statement of who God is and, and then reasons for why he should be praised. And so if you understand that, you can see 
you flow through it. And as you, as you look at it, I want you to understand or look for clues of how Mary is receiving. We'll sum them up at the end. But how Mary has received this news and how she is responding. How it is that she responds. Verse 46. And Mary said, my soul exalts the Lord. And this is the statement. My soul is in exaltation of the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. The one who redeems, who saves. The God of my salvation, as it were. She was rejoicing. This is the, the it's all, I, as I picture it here, Elizabeth is there. May, I don't know if Zacharias is there quiet, quietly standing beside Elizabeth. It's probably a good time for Elizabeth. No, okay. um, she is, she, he's standing beside her, and he hears this, and, and Mary is rejoicing, exalting the Lord, and the God of my salvation is a term that they would understand from their knowledge of the Old Testament. So why is this exaltation? For he has regarded, he has regard for the humble state of his bond slave. This is Mary speaking of herself. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. Well, look at this. He has done mighty deeds with his arms. He has scattered those who are proud in the thoughts of their hearts. Look at the might of God. She speaks of that. For he has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has exalted those who were humble. Notice all the way through the working of God in Scripture. The exaltation of those who are humble, the casting down of those who are prideful. He has filled the hungry with good things. He's filled the hungry with good things. And this is the echoing of, of, of different passages through uh, Psalm 107.9, For he has satisfied the thirsty soul, and the hungry soul he has filled with what is good. I get the idea. He's not talking about physical hunger, even though it's close for dinner or lunch for us. It's a spiritual hunger that she's speaking of. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy. Here he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. And look, as you look at this passage, at how she responds. And notice, if you would, if you have an opportunity to underline or, or to, to circle things, the humble state of his bond slave. He's done great things for me. Look at the humility, the personal humility that, that Mary exhibits here. As she cries out in this exaltation about who God is and what he has done, personally, she sees herself as small compared to God. In fact, she sees herself small compared to other people around her. It's just me. Unassuming, it's just, how could God do, do this for me and use me? But in response to humility, she directs everything that's happening to her, she directs it back to God in praise. And here's the beauty of Mary's um, hair glorifying here, is that the praise goes to God. And then she, she is a, she's listed 
for His great, His mighty power. The character of God to remember mercy. We're reminded of the, of the passage in the Old Testament where they call out to God in wrath, remember mercy. As wrath because of the children of Israel's sin, rebellion against Him, but as they come back and confess in, in wrath, remember mercy. And that's what she's calling attention to, the mercy of God. As we look at the, the power of this, using the word Lord, my Savior, mighty one of God, strong deeds, mighty deeds of his arm. And it's just giving that uh, the linguistic device of, of, as we can understand, of might and power of an arm. He's brought down rulers. All of this points to God. All of this points to her glorifying God for his goodness, for his mercy, and for his blessing on her. And indeed, his blessing on the whole world because of her son. This is Mary. This is Mary. We learn a great many things from Mary. We learn humility. We learn that God is gracious and full of loving kindness. We learn that He is a powerful and mighty God. We remember things of, of old of, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout all generations for an everlasting covenant. We know that God is faithful and He will keep His promises because here He is at the beginning fulfilling one of the great promises that He has promised the people of Israel through Mary. I want to ask you, through this morning, the, the picture and the, the glorifying of Mary's hymn, I hope we have seen a picture of God who is mighty, who is powerful, that nothing will thwart his purposes. It's a reference, I referenced Herod earlier. Herod tried to thwart the purposes of God. God is not perplexed or overturned by mere man even if you are the king of the realm of this area. Here are the great builder. God is great and mighty and powerful. Why doesn't he do things right now? Why doesn't he fix our mess? Second Peter tells us. Peter tells us that he is waiting his patience that he desires for all to come to repentance. That now he is patiently waiting, he's giving time for us who know God, who know Jesus, to tell the world that someday he will return. He will set all things right. But for now, it's patience. As we look, we see a God that is powerful. We see a God is And fill in the blank here. Great, mighty, merciful, and gracious. A doer of all the things that we think are impossible. This God is great. And He is powerful. And so our response must be 
one of humility, of submission, and of praise. Through the example of Mary teaches us that she points everything to God. Through humility, that we know that God is God is powerful and mighty. And we are to praise him. I wonder if in our lives today, the example of Mary may tell us that we need to submit to God. Maybe God's working in our hearts as believers to, uh, to step out in faith in maybe telling someone across the street of our, of our Jesus. Whatever it is, Mary was submissive to what God had, had given her, the purpose that she had. It turned her world upside down. She was never the same. She's had the, the joy of seeing the Savior grow up. Had the joy of seeing him, seeing him uh, before crowds of thousands and thousands and seeing the miracle, the first, the miracle of Cana, the wedding there, and then to feed the 5,000 and the 3,000, to heal the sick, to bring the dead to life, and she had the pain of seeing him hanging on a cross, beaten and torn, dying for the sins of all mankind. And yet she was submissive to the role that Christ, that God had for her. Maybe we need to submit. At the very least, maybe we need to pray. Maybe you are a praise. Maybe you are submissive. But sometimes life is so stressful we forget to appreciate and to praise God for who He is. And we worry. Our response is not one of submission, it's one of fear. And to us, God says, don't fear. All things are possible with God. And it calls our hearts back to praise, to rejoicing in our great God. May we respond as Mary responds when God works and moves in our hearts and lives. Let's bow for prayer. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not quite sure about all of this. I hear the stories you think. I've heard them all my life and or maybe for the first time. And this supernatural kind of thing I don't understand. But know this, that the story of Jesus doesn't end with him as a baby. As I recounted the story of Mary, she saw her son, the God of the universe, hanging on a tree, bearing her sin, bearing our sin. You know, we know instinctively, I think most of us do, that we are sinners. We don't like to think of ourselves that way. We know we need forgiveness of our sin. And sometimes we do things to assuage that. We, we try to be good. We try to work harder. We try to give more, especially this time of year. We, we donate to the Salvation Army when they ring the kettle as we walk out of the mall or out of the Walmart or whatever. Or we, we do all these things to make ourselves feel better. When Jesus has paid the price for us, 
If you're here this morning and do not know Jesus as your Savior, I want to invite you. He came to earth. We celebrate the season of his birth. We also celebrate the time of his death, his burial and resurrection and Easter. He came to save you. Those sitting around you that he has worked in their hearts and lives and received them into his family, they're no better than you. We all have the same proclivity to sin and we struggle with the same things that you struggle with, yet God forgave us. He will forgive you. This morning, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, would you, would you know him? Would you ask the questions that you need to ask? We'll be glad to, to show you as we sing in just a moment. Um, if you want to step to the back, uh, Pastor Mark and others will be in the back. We'll be glad to take God's word and just answer any questions you have. And believer, I want to ask you, are you living in humility? Are you living in faith? Are you living in praise? Are you walking daily with God? As we see Him, as we worship Him, as we praise Him, we see a God that is worthy of our praise. Gracious God, we thank You that You have loved us. That in your love and redemption, you have brought us salvation. Oh God, I thank you. We weren't worthy of your love. We didn't need to be because your love is great. So great that it loved us, that it loved us when we were yet sinners, rebellious against you. Thank you for the salvation that we have. Thank you for Jesus. Oh God, may we be encouraged by Mary's example. May we live lives of humility, lives of faith, of trusting, and lives of praise. May you, God, receive the glory. May you be magnified for what you do in our hearts and lives. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for loving us. May we rejoice in you in this Christmas season. It's in Christ in my prayer.